Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Scott Harvath Podcast. How you doing today, Mike? Good, dude. Coming off that interview with Brad Thor, I feel like I'm still riding high. I'm on cloud nine. How about you? Yeah, I feel great. Uh, excited to talk the second half of this book. Um, yeah, what what a great interview we had last night. Was it last night, two nights ago? I forget. They're all blending together. Right. But um, yeah, he was gracious enough to take a little more than an hour out of his time, talk to us. He's, you know, like we said, you, I don't want to take away from that that pod. So go listen to that interview if you haven't. But, you know, we said that he's he's just such a great guy. He took the time to talk to us, actually cared, you know, very sincere. I didn't feel any fakeness. So no, genuine was the word I think I used. Yes, like, genuine. Uh, I stand by it. I absolutely stand by that. Yep, yep. Well, Chris, like you said, we are getting into part two today. I'm really excited to get your scores on this one. A couple of our patrons uh, have told us they love this book. Mark, he rated it very high on our scorecard. It I was saw nearly, that. nearly a perfect score. So I'm a, I'm a little curious how, how you and I are going to end up. I personally, I haven't given it a score. I haven't really went through it. I wanted to process it here on the pod out loud and definitely get your take on a few things before I give it the final judgment. Yeah, no, I, this book is interesting to me and I don't know if it can kick off the second half of our discussion. Not now that it's a negative thing. It just felt different. And, you know, we talked about the first half and then we're, we're going to talk about the second half here. And, you know, we, we did cut it like sort of, you know, halfway through the audiobook. But to me, the second half, we're not, we're really not taken outside of Scott. Like it's, it's really, it's Scott's story. It's Scott's story in Ukraine. You know, we, we have a, a little bit of, you know, tie-ins with, with some other people. Like there's maybe one or two chapters with the troll. There's one or two chapters with either Wilson or the FBI agents. And then there's that one, only one chapter with Gretchka, which is a hilarious chapter. I want to talk to you about that one with, with the drunk Putin, you oh, know, yeah, not yeah, Putin, yeah. but you know, like essentially Putin. Right. But, you know, I feel like either in past Brad novels or, you know, some of the other things we've read recently, there would have been a lot more jumping back and forth. And I felt like, you know, definitely after listening to, to Brad, tell us about, you know, what this book kind of meant to him. It felt right. Like, did you find yourself, you know, just you were immersed in that Ukraine story and like you wanted to be there? Like, you know, I wrote this down, like, did you want more? Did you want, like, did you want more story? Did Was there enough? Like, it's, it's a short book. It's, you know, it's just a short audiobook too. Yeah, it's, oh boy, I don't know if I'd call it a double-edged sword because let me just start by saying yes, 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 yes. I wanted more because Scott in Ukraine and he doesn't meet up with the team, Hookah, Jacks, Biscuit, and Kruger, he doesn't meet up with them really until the second half. So we're only getting half of this book where he is actually embedded with a team of operators doing what they got to do. So the the action in the first half was incredible in Ukraine. I would say it maybe even gets better here. A couple yes. of the assaults on the ravens in the villages and then culminating to the final attack on the fortress. So in that regard, I thought this book was lights out. I meant to tell Brad, I think it's his best action writing start to finish in any of his books throughout the series. The best bar none action start to finish that he's ever written. So in that regard, I loved Scott in Ukraine, Scott and the team going all over the countryside. And eventually, perhaps my favorite scene, maybe in the whole book, 
is when he's running with the RPG slung over his back through the village after they had taken the hostages. And he's just calling an audible, hopping fences, running across fields. We'll get to it. But all that stuff I loved could have taken more of. It was incredible. The double-edged sword is that the first half also set me up to really be invested in the side plots. Mm. So when we did leave Ukraine, which I didn't want to, but when we did, it was surprisingly more intriguing than I expected. Carolyn and Fields as FBI agents, love them as the good cop, bad cop kind of duo, the old guard and the next generation in the Bureau. I was really loving it. I'm not sure if I was fully satisfied with how that wrapped up. Or maybe I should put it, I'm not completely satisfied with how it didn't really interact at all with what the troll and Scott are doing in Ukraine. Yes, they tracked down the conspiracy theorists who are trying to turn the American tide in public against people like Scott. But there was no real direct link in the end that I kind of wanted them to uncover this piece of intelligence or a certain name that would link back to the Ravens, you know, and and help Scott and, and the troll achieve the mission. So it just kind of left me wanting there a little bit. Same thing with Senator Wilson, Paulson, and, and all the other things that he's doing. I really liked when he got caught in the end. But before he got caught, I was looking for him to make one more move, one more big kind of, I'm going to screw somebody over. I'm going to put somebody's life in danger. Just make that real big, you know, big dick energy play that ultimately fails and really causes catastrophe so that when he gets taken down and the FBI or the windbreakers, you know, show up uh, and, and scare him out of his boots, quite literally, I I wanted that to have a little bigger impact than it did. So double-edged sword is absolutely love Scott in Ukraine, everything about it. But the parts that got me hyped about the two side plots in the first half, I'm not sure how satisfied I was with how they wrapped up. W- would you agree or, or were you still digging those in the second half? No, well, I, I just think that it's hard to dig when they just weren't there. You know, yeah, like it's true. as I, as I'm writing out, you know, the chapters or, you know, the scenes we need to discuss, we're, we're just with Scott, you know, and I almost think that you could, you could get rid of the center to what, I mean, obviously you need to, I could see what Brad was going with. He wanted to sort of sell the entire picture, right. You know, to show that not only is this a war going on, literally you know the, the actual literal war but you know all the other all the other players that are that are being involved and in, and in how that's interacting back home with you know our politics you know our justice system whatever people who are in you know either russian spies or people who are taking the russian propaganda and, and media bait so i could see where he's going you want you know it's like filler but i, I almost i could have just done away with all that and just yeah. I would have appreciated this and I appreciate this book, but like I, if you had, this had just been Scott and, you know, maybe the troll, you know, obviously put him there, but you know, just tracking him from Belarus, you know, Belarus, Poland, Ukraine, back to Poland like that. And give me like a little bit more time with the boys. Like, you know, that would have been even more elevated than what I think this is. Does that make sense? No. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. The only thing I would say is, I surprisingly liked it in the beginning of the book. Sure. And it was so that. You don't oh, know where it's going to go. You don't know. Because I don't go. know. Right. It was right. that buy in that made me. Because I, I originally, I thought exactly what you were. Let's stay with Scott. Let's be in Ukraine. That's the whole point of this book. And I'm, I'm kind of maybe being a hypocrite because I was 
apprehensive about this being a singular story that was just too too narrow. And before this book came out, I, I, I felt pressure. I was like, man, you're doing Ukraine. It's another Scott Harveth book. This thing has to hit. This has to be a rock solid book. And it absolutely was. And, and I think it was way better than I was expecting. But if I were going to nitpick, it's a Senator Wilson stuff and the Carolyn stuff, which in the end, I don't think satisfied. And you're right. If none of those people were in this book, that wouldn't make it a worse book. No, it wouldn't. It, wouldn't. it definitely it wouldn't. wouldn't. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with you. But at the same time, I'm going to, again, we're just- a, at, at the same time, I love them. I love you, Fields. We're, we're a bucket of, of contradictions. Um, She's badass. The, I think that Brad told just enough, you know, he kind of even said that he had to tone things down what he did. And I think like, you know, the story that he did end up telling, you know, on the front lines had- had amazing action sequences we're going to get into, had just enough, you know, little quips of humor here and there to, you know, elevate you while also bringing you down, you know, going into that, that convent and like being describing the horror, you know, what, what went on there or, you know, even harking back to the prologue and like thinking about that and then thinking about like what these people he's trying to stop are is just, you know, it, obviously he mentioned in his interview that he's pulling not like this it's, he didn't have to think too hard to come up with new scenarios because like all of this stuff has been done before, whether or not it's right. been doing right now, it's, you know, it's been, happened in Germany, happened in during World War II, happened in, you know, pick a, pick a war and stuff like this has happened, you know? So there's like, you know, there's going overboard or there's, you know, sort of hitting that right, that right tone of cool action, capturing the realness of, you know, what he's trying to, to tell in the moment. Yeah. And then also, you know, having it be a Scott Harvath novel, you know, and, and yeah. having him be a badass, be funny, be a brute, you know, th- there's, uh, there's this one line where I think it describes like what I'm trying to say the best where Kruger biscuit, they're all joking. And, and they're asking like, what should we ask for next? And Scott comes back and says, yeah. you know, how about, how about we save an American, you know, and the girls uh, and then the two girls. And then he immediately realizes like, yeah, it shouldn't have been that hard. Like that, that, that was uncalled for, you know, they were just, yeah. these guys are over here sacrificing just like I am. Yeah. You know, and that kind of like sort of tells like the, the fine line. Yep. He's trying to tell in the story, you know, that to be, yeah. it obviously has to be a bestseller has to be an action, but he also, he, he wants to make a statement. And I feel like he, I really want you guys to go listen to the interview because at the very end, he, he lays out, you know, we kind of dive into what he thinks and, you know, he, we know that this has been, he does it. He puts what he thinks in his novels, whether it's harking back to the war in Iraq, the, you know, Taliban, whatever, he's not going to be blunt. He's it's on the page. Yeah. And I think, I think he did a good job. So that's, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I think your point was perfect. When Brad was saying how he had to dial back the humor because it was such a deadly scenario in which these guys are operating. But at the same time, that humor needs to be present or else you, you just can't handle the job. You're right. right that that's perfectly summed up with Biscuit and the guys. And Biscuit was that one who was a little more nervous, too. He was like that quieter, shyer guy. So you do wonder about him. So when they're all yeah, joking. When, he, when about, I thought he died, like yeah. I, I got a, I got emotional, man. Like Dude. a little bit, I was like, 
I was like, oh shit, he's gonna, and then he didn't die. And I'm like, all right, cool, like yeah. it's, it's better. But dude, I I, I agree. Damn. We were so bought in, and we were only with these guys for half the book, less maybe, you know, where we were truly hearing from them, and they don't even have a lot of words, like in terms of they don't speak a lot yet we were so connected to them and that's brilliant writing to make us buy in how many times has brad you know we covered the first half of brad thor's books how many times has he introduced us to a team you know like the one in new york city what was that blowback he's got a whole mm -hmm. team there he's working with uh every other one when he's on his adventures he's kind of assembling and getting these teams of guys this is definitely one of the most memorable like I don't know if it's because it's the current Ukraine conflict, so we can kind of picture it in our head. But Hookah, Jacks, Kruger, and Biscuit, to me, are just like right there. They're so present. They're so vivid. And I really think it's one of the better teams that he assembled to be around Harvath. I, I do wonder, and I get the argument of the Ukrainians couldn't spare anybody. Did you feel it was a little off-putting that it was all Americans, Canadians, and Brits? On his team, like it was only international legion guys. I would have loved well, one Ukrainian I, specialist or a translator. I know that's very hard for them to give up. And so I, I bought into it. It didn't affect my buy-in. But I was just like, oh, it's just Western dudes over here, you know, fighting it out for him. But I, I liked how we had that interaction with him and the GRU yeah. on the on the train. And then that guy who he, you know, he got his APC blown up. And yeah. then he's like, all right, well, if you figure out how to, how to, you know, allow me to save this jeep you know which scott like, makes like the chalk paint like which is which was pretty cool um the russians did you know <laughs> i didn't get your jeep blown up the russians did the russians yeah like i like that little interplay like that yeah. that was needed but like you know if that guy had been there you know continued on with the group like i felt like that you know maybe that would add a little bit extra but yeah i think like he was going for this because he wanted to tell the story of like all right there are these people over there that are ex-special forces who have you know given up their lives to you know either and like you said like you can either believe in the cause or you can be itching, you know, itching for that. You're sort of scratching your itch since you got out or, or both, you know, like a lot of them are both. So, yeah, that dude was awesome. Kivi, Givi, Hivi, mm -hmm. uh, but however you say his name, it, he was, and, and that's kind of like in the first half, we talked about Ole, the young kid who was fighting this war and needlessly, you know, like he, Scott was very clear. Like, this guy's not a soldier. He shouldn't have to be here with a gun in his hands. He should be at college studying somewhere. And then right. Heavey, you're like, this guy put in his time. You know, like, he's a truck driver what, now. He, he was a truck driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, he, he's he's just a laborer. He's just trying to, you know, take care of his family, earn a buck, and do what he's got to do. Yet he's giving up everything to, to transport kind of behind enemy lines, you know, uh, bringing people and supplies. And I'm just like, I love – oh, and then – so they're not the only Ukrainians we meet. We meet the whole Bush Telegram people. Right. So I feel like that's where we're getting our Ukrainian elements, you know, meeting the locals. Yeah. And I agree. And I was okay with that, it, with the villagers and then those two men we just talked about being the Ukrainian kind of perspective. The I old lady. Really well done. And the, the yeah, the old lady and then the younger lady who has the cell phone, who's actually contacting the other villages. I really like that. I was just wondering why not one Ukrainian on their team? Or, or even a pole or, you know, someone from a NATO country in Central Europe that is also given in, instead of just the American, the Brit, and, you know, the Canadians. But it's a small nitpick and it, it's probably not a valid one on my part simply because he did paint an amazing cast of Ukrainian heroes 
who are doing all sorts of jobs to contribute to the front line. So it's probably not mm. a not a fair criticism on my end. Maybe these are based off, of, he didn't say it, but maybe these are based off of real people that maybe he didn't meet, but he'd research on, you know, that yeah. he either looked up on YouTube or because he said he, he just watched a lot of, which I don't know how you could do that, but watched a lot of like GoPro footage of You're right. soldiers over there. So, well, yeah, there was when he was saying that there was one guy on Twitter that I was following in the early days of the war who was doing that same thing. And it's like, to be honest, this book felt exactly like that footage and, and the pictures that he was posting and everything that I saw felt just like. So talking scorecard in a little bit, the setting can you cannot have done a better job. I don't think painting what it looks like this train. We didn't even talk about this. The train going across from Poland into mm-hmm. Ukraine. I it felt so cool to be on that train the way it was described. So I think everything about the setting, even if we're not traveling super heavy globally, the setting was still just lights out. Yeah. And I think this book is very crisp, clean. Like there's oh, yeah. no wasted, no wasted word. And no. he, he does a great job of painting that landscape, you know, allowing us to understand what these villages are, you know, where Scott is going that, you know, even at the end, like describing that fortress that they're going through and like the various rooms and like where everything is set up, describing the vineyard that they go to and that they hold out on previously describing, you know, the various places that Scott has been, you know, I think he does a great job of that. And to go back to just one second on the point you said about, I think Brad does a great job of getting us to buy in quickly to like a ragtag team. Like, yes, the characters that like last longer, I feel like he, you know, the ones that hit hit, but like, you know, you think back to like his first team, you know, what was that guy? Uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name, but he was in like a couple well, ones. There was Gordo, a Villano. Gordo, I right, wonder yeah. what happened to him. I know. Like I bought into him and the then, Scottish like, guy. Then, yeah. Yeah. And then he brings in, all oh, right. All right yeah, yeah, the first one, like the, his, his goofball team from the secret service. Yeah. But yeah, like you mentioned the the team from blowback or, or takedown, whatever the New York yeah, one it was, was takedown, um, right? It was takedown. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's what I meant. He does a he he does a really good job at introducing a new character, new like these one off side characters, and make investing in them and getting you to believe as a reader that they're important, even though and even though they you know sometimes they do go on to be make a couple more appearances, you know, or like the troll. You know, who knows? I, I, that's be a good question to ask him. Like, did he know that the troll was going to be in every single book? You know, going forward, almost every single book going forward, when he made that character. Yeah, you know. Well, well you remember uh, it was just a couple of books ago on the pod where we got the first hint of the troll, and we were like, "Yo, that that was definitely a seed planted that he knew needed to grow." And then, like two books later, the troll is actually present, not just a hint. Oh, there's this guy selling, you know, secrets. Then we meet the troll, and then you just know right from the get-go that he he had a gold mine of a character, and every book since has essentially had Nicholas in it. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think I, I think the second he made that character, it would like it tweaked something, and he was like, I I think this is going to be a long term long term play. You could tell like with some other ones that he maybe wanted to keep around, he gets tired with like it's true. M- yeah, more often than not, it's Scott's love interest. You know, right. And at the moment, like we got to talk about the Solvi of it all, or you know, sure. even like Nicholas's wife, not girlfriend, like of it all. We uh, didn't. We book. didn't ask him that. You no, and I, I felt like it wasn't the right conversation to ask it. You know, I, I no. felt we talked about before, and I was like, should we? 
like we'll see how the interview goes and like we'll, we'll know if we can talk about it and like it just didn't feel like the right time yeah we we, we wondered if we were going to ask about this and then we didn't but for me i didn't ask because i forgot i was so wrapped up in what we were right. talking about looking back i i do want to know the answer so for the audience we'll tell you what chris and i are talking about what happened with the trolls family because in rising tiger we know that and it was his wife right I, they were married and she was pregnant gonna have a baby and what did i say it was um it's the havana syndrome like incident right they're right they're, exactly the chinese are doing the havana syndrome but it was near Ra- dark Russians, i forget i went back to near dark or black ice and the troll did say the baby's due in seven months so that was three three books ago or, or, or so the troll did say, you know, she's doing seven months. So she's already a few months into the pregnancy, which means by Rising Tiger, she's absolutely far along. And we were worried about her. And then here, he's just off in Ukraine doing what he does. The ending, he says, I'm going to stay here. I have more work to do here. He even tells, I, I, I don't know if it was Kozar or one of the other guys. He tells Julia. He tells Julia, I don't have a wife or I'm not married. So I'm like. So you you mentioned that to me that maybe he does that because he knows that Julia is the mole. He can't trust anyone and and especially her. Yeah. Or maybe he can't trust anyone. So he's just not trying to give any, and you know, any personal information up. So you could, you could sort of brush, brush that aside. But But when he stays at the end, when when he's so gung ho of, I have work to do here. That's weird. Especially if, if, if she was already a few months pregnant as early as near dark, like, it was near dark or black ice where I looked up. He said that. So I'm like, there's no way. Like, what happened? Yeah. And to have no mention of like what, you know, that, that was a big part of him and her being attacked in, in Rising Tiger. Rising Tiger. Like, to have no mention of that was just weird to me. So same here. Same here. We but he did mention like they're, you know, these things are written to be standalone. And, you know, sometimes authors just get tired of, a, of something they wrote and, that this gives them the ability to to not and only sickos like us actually pick up on it you know uh i like all right i would like my listeners to you know are we wrong on this you know or, or yeah. is were you thinking the same thing like what the hell is going on with nicholas because we're so bought into the troll and like his family and his family life and you know i don't know that was that was weird to me yeah if you are like us give us a hashtag you know daddy troll yeah, we got it. I got to know. Do you guys care as much as us? And to to me, if it was just an oversight, I I really can't believe that's the case. The way Brad is so tight with his writing and his stories. If it was an oversight, okay, sure. But if you intentionally played out the troll, family man, pregnancy, going to be a dad for a few books, and you just about face and decide to drop it, and you're going to act like it never happened moving forward. To me, that's that's that mm, that's a big no-no. I won't say it's unforgivable, but it's uh, it it will sting. I'll put it that way. It, it will absolutely sting. You know, I got to go back and reread the first chapter when Nicholas is with Scott and see if anything comes up. You know, because maybe I just missed it, like how's in, the baby or anything. Yeah, like you know, something like that. Yeah. I got, I, I'll, I'll go back and then in the next pod, I'll, I'll follow up on that. But yeah, guys, we want to hear your thoughts on this. Maybe we're crazy. Actually, I know we're crazy, but maybe you also are crazy with us. I don't know. Can I bring up one more while we're on this? Mm-hmm. 
because another key player the troll is working with besides Yulia is Kozar. Really like Kozar. Did you also have suspicions when he was watching the CCTV footage and the troll is explaining to Yulia all the different operations that he's referencing from World War II and the Cold War? And he says something or or Yulia says like, oh, wow, that's very clever. Oh, it's no, it's working like a double agent. So you you find the mole, but you don't expose the mole. Instead, you use the mole and you feed the mole fake information so that they bring that fake information back to their handlers. And Yulia is like, oh, that's very clever. And then Kozar is watching on TV and he says, very clever indeed. And the chapter ends. Did you not have a hint of suspicion that maybe he was the mole? I I thought maybe that Kozar thought that the troll was the mole at that moment, you know. Oh. When he says very clever indeed, and I it's a typical Brad Thor cliffhanger, I interpret it as, oh shit, can I no longer trust Kozar? So oh, when the mole was revealed as Yulia, it was like a burden it, uh, off my shoulders. It was a relief that I knew Kozar was clean. I don't know, maybe I read that wrong, but that cliffhanger I I really did like that little end to the chapter. Very clever indeed. So speaking of cliffhangers, we we don't necessarily get a quintessential Brad cliffhanger at the end of this novel. It's a little more wrapped up. Like Scott, you know, essentially says, let them try to stop me while he goes to hang with uh, Salty. But I wanted to ask, do you, do you think what he did with the troll and Julia, Julia, is is that the cliffhanger that we're supposed to expect? Are we supposed to then expect to follow up on that? Because... We like are supposed to deduce that the troll has figured out that Julie is the mole, but we, you know, there's no repercussion. We never find out what the repercussions of this are. And like, is that, are we supposed to then believe that we're going to follow up on this or, you know, no, I don't know. I can't see the next book following up on it, but I, I, I think it's just supposed to be left to our imagination that the troll sticks around a little longer and uses her and feeds her fake information and is able to help bring the thing, you know, use her as a tool. But I agree. I don't know how that worked as a cliffhanger. And another one, Gretchko defecting. I had the complete wrong read on that when Brad talked to us and said he wanted to basically make Gretchko almost sympathetic in that he realizes, you know, he was working for buffoons and he was ready and just sick of Peshkov and this other oligarch because, you know, the oligarch took his girlfriend married her and basically destroyed that part of his life. And Peshkov is a bumbling idiot. So he was turning because he legitimately was giving up on that, that leadership in Russia. I, that's not how I read it at all. When it happened, I read it as, Oh crap. This dude is like seven layers deep and he's going to go defect to the West, but secretly be a mole and use Salvi's naivete or the whole like Norwegian intelligence apparatus to get into the American intelligence field and secretly be a fake defector and really be working for Russia from the West. I thought he was going to play Salvi. So I was really excited. The next book, that's going to be it. You know, like Gretchko is this Russian defector intelligence operative, but who is still playing the game, even though now we and the Norwegians think he's on our side. I thought we were going to get some real like Le Carre kind of, mole defector story but it sounds like brad wanted us to read it as gretchko was in the end just kind of a guy with a conscience who was ready to come clean yeah i think he wants us to think that he's done with that story too 
Yeah. I don't think I read that as a as a done and dusted kind of storyline there when he met Salvi. No, like I, I to me right now, now that I'm like talking it out, I, I think there are no cliffhangers. Like this is the clearest it's wrapped. Like rap story. And it you know, if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. You know, what are you really going to you know, there's no outcome yet to it. You know, obviously you have to think about he's writing the next book now. And so we're we're still in the midst of it, you know, nothing's really changed. It's a war of attrition. So where else is, is there to go with this story? No, yeah. Nowhere. So That's you have to kind of do, you kind of have to do a hard, this hard reset and boom, Scott can literally, Scott can literally do anything. Anything now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, though the reason I really liked the ending at first and knowing this information now, I'm a, I'm a little hesitant about the ending because I really like the fact that it seemed Gretchko defecting to Salvi, Scott and Salvi about to get together. It almost seemed to me like, okay, there's going to be a part two. And the good news right. here is that Salvi's job is going to align with what Scott and Nicholas have been doing. I mean, he, he's leaving it open. It could be. It could it, be. It could be. It could be. I was really excited that that was going to happen because the moment they canceled their date in Poland and Scott had to leave on a mission and Salvi said, I understand. I'm really busy too. I was like, okay, here's another typical way we're going to get out of a Scott Harvath relationship. <laughs> you know, right. how many times has that happened? They mutually part ways. Going back to the early books, you know? So I'm like, oh, darn. I thought for sure Sylvia was gone, but they're engaged, right? Like, so. Exactly. They're engaged. So they have to come back. But are we just going to keep doing this dance of, oh, I got a phone call. I have to leave now. And I thought Gretchko defecting could be the perfect way their universes collide. And there's going to be some operational. Uh, missions that they can do or at least plan together moving forward. I hope we go that route. It doesn't have to be with Gretchko. Could be another kind of mission that the Norwegians and and our intelligence and the Carlton group need to work together on. Maybe a Finland story. I don't know, but I just I was really happy the worlds were going to collide, and I hope we don't have to read it as that's done and dusted. You know, it's over. Well, I think it could could go either way. So it could, you know, we it's, don't open. Know. it's open. It's open. He's, he's left himself the ability to either build upon this or go a completely different way. So true. And like either way, I think people are going to, can be satisfied, you know? Yeah. It, here's another amazing opportunity and door that's open. Cause this has been done in all the great series. And definitely I'm thinking Vince Flynn and Mitch Rapp two, three, four books from now. Plus, can you imagine if Asha or VJ or Gretchko or Jax or Biscuit, any of these people from these last few books that we really loved and felt we didn't get enough of, if they come back in some way? I, right. I, I just think it'd be so cool that the doors open on all these incredible characters Brad created the last few books. Down the line, who knows which one will come back into the universe and cross paths again with Scott. I, I think there's a real open canvas to do that as well. Yeah. All these Drusia, you might say. All these friends. Drusia. Drusia. I love that. Oh, that that is when you know an author is a true artisan, you know, at the height of their craft. The way he brought Drusia back, which the old lady says in the village. Right. Right. And it's only one of the few words he could pick up on or what she's saying. And then he goes and says it to the girls to calm them down. And he also hands them the picture. The picture was what the old lady gave to him, pressed into his hand before he left. 
He almost didn't get to say goodbye to her, the old lady. I I loved how the picture and Drusia uh, friends came back in the end. I just think that's a perfect little device to use. Yeah. So do you want to get into the scorecard and talk a little bit more about these uh the action scenes? That's like the last. I mean, is there anything else you want to talk with in terms of like uh, the FBI agents or the side plots? No, I think we really gave a very general, broad overview of our feelings on a lot of things. So I think getting into the numbers and rating things specifically will go a long way. Because action, I actually want to get into a few of the specifics. We didn't do too right. many nitty, too much nitty gritty here. We get a lot of action. So what are you going to give it as a score? And what was your favorite scene in the second half? What do I go ten? <laughs> I'm wondering that do, too. I really do I go am. as high as a ten because. It's pretty damn good. I, I fuck it. I gotta, I gotta give it a ten because, yeah. So it's either gotta be. So if I'm going second, just second half alone, yeah. Um, because I really liked, like the attack on the convoy from the from the previous one, uh, from the first half of the book. But I'm probably gonna go like the precursor attack to like the final attack where yes. They take the hostages. They, they take the hostages. Yep. You know, getting the, like just the logistics of that, like driving in with that service road and like the whole planning aspect of it. And then like, you know, everything goes in. They, they have, you have a plan, but literally halfway through, you know, your best lane plans are, yeah, you know, they're just that they're plans. Like they don't survive uh, you know, first contact with the enemy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that scene is freaking awesome. Uh, you know, obviously there's emotional stakes with biscuit going down they're able to, you know, save him. Uh, no, does basically go down in, in the, in the second that's one. That's yeah. the final attack. That's yeah. the final attack. Yeah. But you know, just the whole logistics around that was, was really cool. So I probably lean more towards that, but the final takedown, you know, on this compound, drawing them out, you know, just the, the various, like it, it is so propulsive, the reading yep. of it, you know, like yep. they're moving from scene to scene. And then like, as soon as they reach a precipice, boom, they reach more people and they have to pull back and then, and they have to go up and then there's a the gunner and then they have to figure out, all right, we go, go around to take out this machine gun, but there's, there's people coming around. There's frags. Like yep. even who's he with? He's with hookah, right? Who gets, who gets shot in the face, but his like, um, his helmet and his NVGs like yeah. save him. And then he gets shot again in the arm. Uh, or maybe, maybe that was the first shot, but anyway, they got the yeah. stretcher. They're moving biscuit out on the stretcher and everything or, uh, Anna Royko Anna Royko on, on the stretcher. Yeah. 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 Dude, good stuff. I agree with you. 10 on action because of all this. Although you're right. My favorite scene of the second half. I think the train scene in the first half is going to take the best action overall. But it's when he slings that RPG over his back after taking the hostages at the security checkpoint in the front of the village or the back of the village. And he realizes they've got RPGs and heavy weapons. He goes, fuck it, change in plan. We're going to blow all these motherfuckers up. And he runs through the village with that RPG. Oh my god, I absolutely love that. I, I was so into the story at that point. Well, in the deception too, like he, they drive, they leave like the the jeep there after they've driven like the the um, hostages out to yep. bring it back to then blow it up, and then so blow that it, it up. doesn't doesn't look like they actually took hostages. You exactly know, in, in case, yeah. I love that. And and I liked leading up to that scene when he's brainstorming ideas. I forget who he was driving with, if it was Jax or Kruger or whoever. It was Hookah. But they're driving together and they're both kind of coming up with ideas of how we're going to hit the Ravens once we track them down. And 
I thought it was really cool. Uh, the, everything about that sequence was was awesome. One one ding which might be a plot ding here. It built some suspense when one of the guys is like, "So we take the hostages. What are you going to do? Just interrogate them right there on the street and get your answers?" Scott's like, "Don't worry about what I'm going to do. You know, I'll get the answers from them. Especially if we get more than one, I'll definitely get the answers." So here I am thinking we're going to get an awesome interrogation scene. Right. You know, we're right. going to get some Mitch Rap, you know, James Reese interrogation stuff. But no, the guys just start talking. Like these ravens. I'm like, I I was a little underwhelmed. It helped with the propulsiveness, I think, of the pacing. It didn't it didn't slow it down, yeah. It didn't slow it down for sure. It helped us get to the final scene at the fortress, but I would have loved a good interrogation scene. I, I just don't know if I could buy into the fact that these guys just spoke so easily and gave up everything and, and all the details. Yeah, but you gotta remember right. they're they're just criminals, dude. Like it's they're true. not, it's not like they're, they're not, you know, converts to the cause. They're not, it's true. True terrorists. They're not, they're not, true uh, you know, they're not, they're not a military trained, you know, it's they're, true. they're going to sing like canaries to it's save true. their ass. Yeah. Okay. You, I, might get, you might get, you might get one that like wouldn't talk, but like, you know, odds are like the other ones. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But no, I, I agree with you. I was expecting that seemed to be a little bit more than just like the troll on a video link, like confirming the Russian was okay. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was like, all right. But I, I think it's like more so what you were saying in the first half, like he didn't want to slow himself down. Like it's it at this point, he's humming. We got to get to the the final fight, you know? Yeah. I, I think you're right about that. I, I would also say the communication with the troll and I understand that, you know, being tracked and the Russians had that device they had to blow up about tracking too many cell phones in one spot. Somehow if the trolls, intelligence gathering plus the bush telegram could have been what helped scott out and maybe that's just not the case on the ground is that there's no central office where the intelligence is being fed to the front lines in an efficient way so it's probably accurate the way it happened but i would have liked the troll one more thing that helped scott on his journey one one more interaction or, or nugget that he was able to provide just felt a little slim the scott and the trolls uh tag teaming uh, the operation which is probably true which is the situation on the ground but i wanted just a little bit more of him in on the action yeah i think that just goes to what our earlier point was in, in the sense that you could tell that brad was just more interested in in honing in with with scott and just like let the other things sort of you know, wrap them up quicker yeah so what does all that mean for plot and buy-in for you this is tougher i'm gonna ding plot a little bit where, you know, where I elevated action, I'm going to ding plot a little bit in the sense that, you know, we're talking about it and not to say like, again, this is just, I have to give it a score, but not to say I didn't love the plot, but some of the, the secondary things that we were, were really built up well in the first half of the novel didn't, didn't quite land as hard as the entire Scott story did. Yeah. And so I got to dig, I got, I got a ding plot there. And that's, I'll, I'll go with a nice, like eight and a half solid score. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, because of those things, I'm, I'm going to go to an eight. Uh, just a couple little nitpicks I brought up already. However, I'm going to say, although I docked two points here for all these things, it's not going to bring down my buy-in all that much. I'm, I'm going to go four and a half. I, I want to say I, I, yeah. I'm bought into everything. Like there's nothing. There's nothing that I don't believe. There's nothing that I didn't think would truly happen. 
other than like the only thing you can nitpick is like why the fuck is Scott even there? You know, in the first place. Like, no, that, I bought that, into that. That's like the. But you know, if you think about it, like I think Brad does a good job of explaining. All right, he's just being put on these missions, and he. I that that's the one question I wish I'd asked Brad. Like, what's what's this deal with with the Carlton Group and and, and Scott? You know, going on right now, like and Gary there's, Lawler, there's something in in Lawler. We didn't we didn't ask him about the absence of yeah. Gary and Gary. So, but yeah, no, there's nothing really that that's so thin. I need I feel like I need to dock at points. So yeah. yeah, I'm going I'm going five. A little more info about the Carlton Group, where they've been this whole time. Gary's leadership of it. Yeah, yeah, I hear you there. No, I agree. My half to go to a 4.5 is not necessarily all that. I was bought in the entire way. I was even bought in so much more than I thought I would be. With the Ukraine stuff, I was a little nervous. How are you going to do it? Is it going to be right? It was. I was like, what's the side plot going to be? This Carolyn Fields loved it. Most of the story absolutely loved where they were going. My half a point is the ending. I... If there's one point I wasn't bought into this book, it was the conversation with essentially Zelensky on the train back to Poland. Mm. It was the wrap-up of the troll filling us in. Oh, Biscuit survived. Great. I was happy about that, but just being told it, mm. Yulio's the mole. Okay, I was really wondering, was it Kozar? Was it someone else? Okay, cool. It was her. Mm. Didn't go anywhere. It all just kind of – oh, and then let's just go arrest Greg Wilson. FBI shows up. Okay, great. You know, all of those storylines was really digging. I'm not sure if they had the the pop at the very end or this this massive like once we took down the Ravens and and got the Colonel and the fight with the Colonel was really cool. Once we got that, the book was over for me. So the remaining however many pages it was, 30, 40, the denouement was just a, a little boring. So another small nitpick there. Yeah, it's almost like would you rather just had the fight and then Scott leave, you know, like he, he goes back home. You know, I felt like that would have just told the story better, you know, like, yep. You wrap up the Greg Wilson getting arrested before the chapter before the fortress hit, you wrap up Yulia being the mole the, before. right before that, or right in the middle of that. And then you cut back to it and then he fights the Colonel. Like, I think a little tinkering didn't, there. didn't matter to me after getting the ravens like is that that that's Agreed. what this plot was about you know so Agreed. i wanted the epilogue to purely be yeah. maybe a, a conversation with with um the boys like you know talking Deep with hookah about oh actually biscuit you know he's it's good he's going to be okay you know yeah. like, oh that's awesome you know like that kind of thing where are you going back like oh i'm just i'm going back to poland to meet my fiance you know like something like a quick it could have been like you know but you know we're not authors so no, we're not authors, but just as the reader's perspective, I felt that exact same way. Another cool one, and this would have been a little too Vince Flynn, <laughs> a little too Vince Flynn, but the colonel slips away out of that village somehow. And then the epilogue is the troll works Yulia, gets some random piece of information, and the troll does his wizardry connecting the dots. And whatever the information she gives up is that little tiny piece of the puzzle he needed to connect it to the colonel's whereabouts. And then because of that, Boom, Scott can move on the colonel, and that could be the final scene. Or he moves on the colonel, and then he's getting congratulated by Zelensky on the train back to Poland. You know, yeah. So only half a point. Only half a point. I'm not going big on it, but something about that ending just wasn't as satisfying as as I had hoped. Since we said the colonel, though, we're talking bad guys. 
Give me your bad guy score. This includes the Colonel, the Ravens, Wilson, Paulson, everything. What do you think? So this is, it's kind of the hardest score to give for me because the Colonel was cool, but I wasn't as bought in on him. I felt like there could have been a little bit more backstory with him. And I just never really felt that Wilson was a, was a villain. You know, he's yeah, more sir. of like a pawn. I was more scared of, Co- of not Kozar, more scared of Kretschko than anything. And then he yeah. turns out to be this defector. So like, he's not a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Nistal, this other guy, Wilson's handler. Yeah. Okay. You know, all right. Interesting, yeah. interesting side guy, but you know, uh, I'm probably just going to go for like, cause yeah. ma- mainly because the badass Colonel fight scene, like that yes. elevates him. Agreed. If he doesn't have that, then I think the bad guy score is pretty low. I, I think I agree. You have to remember the way the Ravens are set up in the prologue, getting Anna Royko. That's cool. Like that, that, that stuff is is cool. And that's like, a, so that's this idea of this yep. mental, you know, group of mental institution criminals, whatever. Like that, yep. that is cool. And I realized like, no, no, he doesn't want to give anyone like a, a of a true face, except for this Colonel guy who's creepy watching yep. people. But I'm getting like my backstory. This this backstory wasn't the guy who had a mom who was raped. That was a uh, I thought that was the colonel. Oh, that is this guy. I think so. Yeah. It's like dead center of the book. We get the backstory on him. I think that was him. I've been reading too many stories about Russians. I thought that was in the last um, James Reese novel where there was a bad guy whose mom was. I I think that I'm mixing the two stories now. There, I, I do remember there was a backstory for the colonel that I thought, damn, that's that's pretty darn interesting. But all the details escaped me. Okay. Anyways, either way. Bad guys are four. Yeah. Bad guys are four. I'm going to agree with you. I think the chapter, if I go revisit it, that has the colonel's background, I think was really good. But the fact that it didn't stick with me. Mm. And the other one that kind of brought this up a little bit was when Gretchko is meeting with Peshkov and the oligarch who you know basically is dating his his girl. I kind of thought that was cool. I like the inner workings of the Kremlin. Again, it was a one-off scene. There wasn't a lot of it. So I think I'm going four on the bad guys. Could have been better. Definitely wasn't bad. And what's going to make up for that four is the good guys. I would give it more than a – this is a five plus 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 plus. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a six. You know, it's like it's, if I can give bonus points. Everybody, come on. Yeah, we, we've done a lot of talking about them. But I think yeah. just getting us to buy into that team of foreign legion people that quickly – Great. Absolutely. Buying into Anna Royko, great. Absolutely. Buying into the villagers, great. So, 100%. Absolutely. Same with the setting. Everything about the setting great. is just knockout. We talked about it before. So, five on good guys, five on setting. Absolute strengths of this book, which is going to make the free space interesting because I think we're going to have a lot of the same ideas. So, I'm going to let you go first on that one uh, b- before maybe we wrap it up with the cover. What do you think? Uh, for me, it's the old lady in the vineyard. Yes. Yes. I I really liked her. Um, you know, and just Drusia, like one taking them in, feeding them. I like the little note of like he he tries to show them how to heat up the MREs using like the the chem, and they're like, no, they're no, no, no. we're we're gonna heat this up on a pot. Like, come on, we're we might be in a war, but we're not savages. You know, like let's <laughs> let's we can we can we can make this a meal. I don't know. I just it brought some more reality to it. I felt like I connected 
out of all the Ukrainians, I felt like I connected with her. And then, then the, then the truck driver, the best, he would be like my second option yeah. as, as a, as a free space. So yeah, it's gotta be the, the old lady. Yeah. I think you putting all those people together is the free space. So, uh, I'm going to come up with a different one, but you put together Ole and Hevi. Right. It's, and a, it's probably all of them combined. Yeah. All of them combined. Just all the Ukrainian people that he meets along the way are just gems, true gems in this story. I think it's it's maybe a little cheap, but it deserves a shout. Brad's action writing. You mm, could say that about any thriller. I honestly, it's it has to be the best part of any thriller is the action sequences. But to be this good is next level. Like this is this is once in a series or twice in an entire series where you're going to get action this good, this thrilling and this consistent from the opening action scenes. Every few chapters, there is something thrilling that you can't put down. And so while many thrillers are going to get it right, it's a rare thing and something special to get it this right, this perfect. So. I got to give it to Brad's action writing. Five out of five is my free space. All right. So this is what we've all been waiting for. The cover. The cover. Now, Brad gave us some shtick. He, he, he did. He, he didn't <laughs> like that we didn't like the cover. I, mean, I don't remember us saying we didn't like the cover. I think it was more we were intrigued with the cover. Yeah. And we did some sleuthing and we actually got it right. We were completely right. Yeah. I was a little surprised that he 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 took our our reaction to the cover that way because I would say it wasn't negative at all, but it was a little, Hmm, we have to wait and see, you know, like we both hit the pause button and said, we're going to reserve judgment here until we read the book. And he was absolutely right. I I'm making up for whatever he thought I might've thought negatively about this cover because it deserves a four and a half. Absolutely. I, I can't give it a perfect five. It very nearly is. Yeah, I can't like I, I I don't know why I can't give it a five because it's it's a pretty nice cover. Like the color scheme, obviously, Ukrainian flag, giving us the raven, giving us, you know, you know, this Ukrainian, which is like, you know, what he was going for, this Ukrainian art piece that exists and the raven being on top of it, stealing it. I like that he was thinking about he he wanted I even like the the title, like the title's got like just all right, he it, like oh, you kind of called it it's a four by it four, has yeah. it has nothing to do with the novel other than you know it's a cool like you know deadfall you know like rising tiger deadfall like you know exactly it, it, it and then he wanted to have a four letters just like his name is is is, is four by four it like works. that's cool it works but for something not for some reason i just i can't give it a five i don't know why yeah i guess the way i would explain it is it's really well done, but will I say it's one of my favorite covers of all time? Yeah, no. No. Yeah, exactly. And a five out of five, I think, really has to come close to that list of this is one of my all-time favorite covers. But it's and a very good cover. It's, but it's a very really, good cover. really good. Yeah, it's really good. And I will say I love the gradient. It's not just a straight yellow and blue. That yellow has a gradient pattern where it's getting darker. It almost looks textured towards the bottom. I like that dark dark orange, yellowy orange. And then the wing, the archangel wing also has its own texture with the shadows on it and definitely that kind of bronzy look. So you definitely know it's some sort of art piece or statue. And the fact that it's the guardian angel, you know, it's Michael and he is the key protector of Ukrainian cities. 
and that this is a real piece. And a whole part of the book is about the attempted genocide, if you will, of destroying Ukrainian artwork that has cultural heritage and significance. And so to put a raven as a symbol on the wing of the guardian angel, the protector of the country, and it's a real culturally significant art piece, a monument, I think that's a really, really cool play right there. And for the raven to be straight jet black, it almost is like this black hole on the cover sucking you into what's almost in the dead center of it. That's sitting right inside the O of Thor. I think it's a really great composition. Love a lot of things about it. The texture as you feel it is really nice on the uh, on the wing. It actually has some texture to the pattern. Yeah, on which, the on the uh, on the hardcover. On yeah. the hardcover. So that's definitely another shout for this cover. So four and a half, absolutely knockout cover. Love it. The one thing I did appreciate where he was talking about, you know, he actually like sits down with a, with with the the person instead of like someone else just generating a bunch of things and like he picks one like he it seemed like he actually cared about this cover you know whether or not he cares about all covers i don't know but he actually cared about this cover and to put something that it's truly representative of the book like we we appreciate that you know judge the cover by the book stick like a the ukrainian flag on this something or a wheat field and like a man walking in a wheat field with a gun. Yeah. <laughs> a, a running man, would you say? Next to power with, lines? With, with a train. Uh, <laughs> with you know a train that? In the winter. In the winter. Yeah. Our OG Mitch Rap Pod listeners who have heard every early episode of the Mitch Rap Podcast, you, you will get that inside. You know, you know what cover we're talking about. I do appreciate, though, how Brad said they went through a couple of rounds because it does make sense to want to have your first reaction be like he said the daca you know or the cabin or in the woods with these trees a lot of the book takes place with that so i like the idea of the scenery of the cover should be what the book is about which is the ukrainian countryside with these houses these villages but once you actually mock that up once you sketch that out it kind of is like a little too on the nose mm-hmm. and so i like that he said the art designer said let me try something high concept So in this cover, you capture the Ukrainian identity through art Mm -hmm. and through the color scheme. You capture Ukrainian landscape because this is an actual monument in a city. You get the spiritual and, you know, significance of it because it is the archangel. You get the, the dark heaviness, the weightiness of that raven, the uncertainty, the looming danger, the dark black jet black raven. It's a really, really brilliant cover. Did I talk myself into a five? Because like the cheesier version of this is putting the cabin, like or the, the train. No, I, I think the cheesier version is putting like um, that the famous like pillar in the middle of Kiev. Right, right, that too. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Which know, could have worked. Yeah, but yeah, like it would have been fine. It would have been fine. We're never in Kiev. Or does he go to Kiev? Goes to Kiev for like a night. The troll does, but yeah, he he stays on the train and goes right through. Yeah, how many how many covers do we see? Like, oh, he goes to Istanbul, so boom, we're gonna put the Hagia Sophia on there. You know, like the Hagia. Does he ever go to the Hagia Sophia? No, he's just in Istanbul. You know, it's like set, setting your story in Rome, and you only put Saint Peter's Basilica on there. You know, or the complete opposite. You know, you set your story in Chicago, and then you randomly, you know, put a picture of Johannesburg, or <laughs> you know, because we've had that too. Or you randomly put the Kremlin in it, even though the book has nothing to do with Russia. It's about South American gang gang lords. And all of a sudden the Kremlin's on the cover. <laughs> so <laughs> that could go both ways. 
Right, right. Yeah. All right. So we have some pretty high scores here, people. I end up with a 46. I I think that's a that's a pretty good score. That's where I'm at with this book. I'm curious how that compares to Rising Tiger, but you ended up with a 47. Let's yeah. See, what did we say? How does that rank compared to our other ones? It's got to be one of the highest Brathor novels. It it definitely should be because when when you are reading this book, you're the whole time thinking this is one of his best ever. I think because of the nitpicks we found and and how I felt about the ending, I don't know if I could say it was his best ever, but it's definitely going to be towards the top of the list. Now, I again, I'll give this little service announcement. Just because I gave it, it might be my highest score I've ever given, doesn't mean that it's my favorite Brad Thorne novel. You are half a point higher than Takedown, which was 46 and a half. Are you feeling that's correct? You're about half a point higher than Takedown with this one? No. But, you know, I laid out all the, you know, why I said it. So sure. it's up there with Takedown. No, I would say it's up there with Takedown. It's up there. Sure. So of the ones we've covered so far, this is definitely in it's a bit, very similar, very similar story to Takedown. This will be a nice uh, two book read. That, that would be an interesting one. The team up, very centralized location, all in New York, pretty mm-hmm. much. This is interesting because. I have it at a 46. Takedown was a 47. So I think that accurate is accurate for me. This is maybe a notch below Takedown, but it's also half a point higher than The Apostle. I gave a 45 and a half. This is a 46. I think that's correct. I think this book is very close to The Apostle, but just a tad better. And I like The Apostle a lot. And I think this is a tad higher. But Rising Tiger... You were a 44 and a half. I was a 45 and a half. We loved Rising Tiger. This book is, I would say, clearly a cut above. Yes. So yes. I think at least. Yeah, a it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to um, compare this one to some of Brad's older ones, you know? Yeah, it's true. I, I feel I feel better the comparison between this and Rising Tiger and like Full Black. Yeah. Not Full More Black. Recent uh, like, you know, if we do, you know, I, honestly, like, I think my favorite is probably Spymaster, which yeah. we haven't gotten to. You know, I like Spymaster. And then the one right after Spymaster was Backlash. that one, um, Backlash. Yeah, Backlash, I think you I'm have just going to get straight tense. I think you're right. You have to compare books like Rising Tiger or Black Ice and Deadfall to, to each other. Spymaster and Black- Backlash because it's so different. You know, yeah. the last the last seven or eight Brad Thor books are way different than the first seven or eight Brad Thor books. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they're almost two different complete series uh, just in the way they're composed not in the storylines the universe checks out you know everything's consistent sure in universe is consistent but in actual the style of writing and the type of storytelling i feel like very very different yeah what i think our scorecard will allow us to do and now that we're truly halfway through we can sort of rank pre-rank them and then we can go in and move them up and down as we as we see fit so I, i will say this to conclude very clearly Top five of all of Brad's hmm. books. Deadfall is yeah, clearly I, in the top five. I feel confident saying that. Yes. I feel real confident. And if it gets knocked out, it's like it, it's right there. It's it six. can't be lower than yeah. a six. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's that five, six spot for sure. Possibly pushing a little higher. It reminds me of like when I read Lethal Agent. Yeah. You know, like a, a more recent mid-trap novel yeah. that I just, I loved, I vibed with, you know. I think you're right. I think that's a good comparison because you read Lethal Agent and you're like, 
to me, it's obviously Kyle Mills' best or tied for best. And it's clearly one of the best recent books in the entire series. So, yeah, I, I think I feel the same way about this one. Yep, yep. All right, good stuff. All right, guys, the next time you hear from us on this feed, probably a little bit because we got some other books to read. So go check out our other two feeds, the Mitrap Pod Thriller Podcast or the Mitrap Pod Mitrap Podcast, our OG feed, where we'll be covering re- soon. We had to decide we're going to put Fade. Are we going to put Fade on the Mitrap Pod? I guess that makes sense, right? Yeah, it's gonna it's got to be on the Mitrap Pod. The question is, time is getting away from us, so we might not have it before Code Red. I'm not sure. We'll have to see how that works out. Yeah, because when does Code Red come out? Code Red comes out mid-September, so we have less than a month, about a month uh, to go. So I guess while on vacation, you need to read Fade, and when we get back, when I'm in Beloit, we should do a pod on Fade. You want to do Fade as the next book we read? Yeah, sure. I think so. All right, before Code Red. Yeah, and then and then we do Code Red. We go right into Code Red. Gotcha. Okay, cool. I'm down. All right, we need to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Ben, Matt, Dawn, Peggy, Ray, Bridget, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review to all three seasons, as I said, to No Limits, using Apple Podcast or Spotify. You can find us online at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at thrillerpodcast. And as always, Slava Ukraini. Heroyam Slava. The Zelensky thing was was a little cheap at the end. Yeah, like I was saying, that ending just I don't know how it landed. Didn't did it need that? Did it need the Zelensky thing. You know what else I was thinking about your closing? There was a really good line. I don't remember the context, but I wrote it down. I'm just a guy here to do a job. Some just a guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Somebody asked to... him, who does he say it to? It's either one of the I think it's one of the guys asking about like what are you one of the alphabets like you're over your CIA he's like I'm right. just I'm just a guy here to do a job yeah I'm just a guy here to do a job that would have been a good one I forgot the other so I didn't have a lot of quotes as people might have caught if I don't have any quotes that's just because I'm enjoying the book so much I, right. I don't even want to take notes but another quote I did write down was the bar in Moscow where all the bras are hanging up and Gretschko says about his cocktail, no pyrotechnics, shake it, serve it and fuck off. <laughs> no lighting the like orange it. peel on fire. <laughs> no pyrotechnics. Shake it, funny. serve it, fuck off. I thought we can end the pod with that. <laughs> and as always shake it, serve it and fuck off.